two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And when they went away and found the colt tied at the door outside the street, they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest.
Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for this Holm Sunday, which we also commemorate as the Sunday of the Passion, is from the prophet Isaiah, the 50th chapter. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear, to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I, did not, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? This is the word of the Lord. Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. And then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. 
For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said, Well, he was still alive. After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. And so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate 
he suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Christian, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Epistle Lesson, the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians, these words, And being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death upon the cross. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Remember the ancient legend that comes to us from Alexander the Great's conquest of the Persian Empire back in probably 300 BC. In that conquest, it said that Alexander's soldiers overran the palace of Darius the Persian king and looking for things to plunder, it said, the soldiers came upon a leather bag that contained something amazing and contained all of the crown jewels of Persia that had been placed there, the stones being priceless. But as unbelievable as it may seem, the soldier that came across it, thinking that the stones of that kind of value would never be stored in a leather bag, determined that they were a decoy. And so rather than keeping the stones, he dumped them into the rubbish, so the legend goes, and he kept instead the leather bag and then proceeded to go about the camp boasting about this wonderful leather bag that he had acquired. How often what that soldier did is so much like what so many of us so often do, how often in life people throw away the priceless jewels and keep only the leather bag. Think about it in terms of our own lives and the lives of other people around us, the lives of those that we have seen in days and weeks past. It happens in our relationships with each other when we get so angry with one another over some really insignificant event or some insignificant thing and then we harbor a grudge against one another and build a wall between each other and that wall stands there just about indestructible not only for hours but often for days, for weeks and sometimes even for years. What a waste of time. What a waste of such precious moments. We throw away the precious gems and we instead in that way keep the leather bag. It happens every time that an uptight parent or a peer-pressured teen becomes so enslaved, for example, to some substance that they get all caught up in that in their lives. They drop out of their families rather than drying out. And they throw away the priceless gem of family for the leather bag. It happens all too often, as we've seen as of late, even in the highest ranks of government, as we heard about this past week with the governor in New York, or it happens with the 25% of our nation's teens who, according to studies released this past week, engage in premarital sexual relationships, carelessly throwing away something that's so precious to them, throwing away also their Christian convictions and their commitments, throwing away the jewels in order to have the leather bag. It happens when we get so excessively caught up in our careers and our materialistic desires that we count them more important than our families or our faith. We throw away the precious gems and jewels and we keep instead the leather bag. It happens when we so carelessly embrace the ethics of our time over against the clear word of God, 
the philosophies, the hypotheses of this secular world in which we live, that we sacrifice the eternal truths of God's word. And we keep the leather bag and give up the precious gems and jewels of the faith. It happens when we, to whom is freely offered the life-saving word of God and the life-giving sacraments of God, neglect them week after week and sleep in or work out. We sacrifice the precious gems and all for a leather bag. It happened also on that first Palm Sunday when throngs of cheering children, when virtual armies of adults rallied around the Lord Jesus Christ who was coming into Jerusalem shouting at first their hosannas and waving their palm branches in the air and throwing their garments on the road in front of him welcoming their deliverer into Jerusalem but he hadn't come to deliver them from what they thought he was coming to deliver them from. He hadn't come to deliver them from Roman rule and occupation. He had come to deliver their souls and the souls of all of mankind from hell's eternal rule and from satanic occupation, political freedom, for Jerusalem wasn't on the Lord's agenda that week. Something far greater, something far grander than the human eye without the element of faith could ever see was on his agenda, namely the eternal freedom of every man and every woman and every child's soul, a freedom to be won, not by armies and by uprisings, but a freedom that could only be won by an army of one upon a solitary cross. As word got around that our Lord's agenda was so different from what the agenda of the people of the city was and what the agenda of the political activists stirring up the crowd was, Sunday's hosannas, as you well know, turned quickly, as we heard in today's gospel, into Friday's crucify him because he doesn't plug into our agenda for this world and for life. And they threw away the precious gem. And they kept instead their leather bags. After all, would the priceless gem of deity be found in the skin bag of humanity? They were blind to the identity of the cross bearer. They were blind to the necessity of the cross but Jesus wasn't. He, with his face like flint, as is indicated on our service folder bulletin, set his face toward that cross for your sake and for mine. And if anything, today as we begin now Holy Week, should cause us to give thanks for what we have and for what he did. It should be the fact that he set his face like flint toward the cross and toward Jerusalem to do what he knew that he had to do. He didn't throw away the priceless gems for the leather bag. Being found instead, St. Paul says, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Is that cross and Christ upon it for you going to be the central focus of your thoughts in this coming week? Or as the 16th century hymn writer asks, are you going to pass by the cross unheeding, breathing no repentant vow? Are we going to get so caught up in our own personal affairs and agendas that we forget the agenda of God, especially in this coming Holy Week? 
Will we throw away the crown jewels and instead keep the leather bag? That occupied cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he did upon it is central. It's the essential. It's the irreplaceable heart and core of our Christian faith. We preach Christ and him crucified. I would know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. St. Paul said, far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. The cross and what Christ has done upon it, what we think upon this week is central to the heart and the core of all that we believe because the cross speaks to us. If anything in the world speaks to us about our sins, it is indeed the cross. It says that our sin is serious business. And that's a message that needs to be heard, isn't it, in our callous age? Sin is still serious. It's as serious as it ever was. Interestingly, Christian psychologists and are speaking to that very issue, Christian sociologists as well, and they tell us how man is trying to deny his sinfulness. It's nothing new. It's what we've been doing for generation upon generation. And so it is that the sociologist Charles Sykes as a section in his book entitled The Abolition of Sin. And some of you will remember also the name of Dr. Carl Menninger who authored a book entitled Whatever Happened to Sin? Well, scripture says and tells us and sets before us what happened to sin and it makes it very clear to us that man can't abolish it of himself, that only God can do that and only God did, that sin has taken up residence in each human heart and therefore has such an impact on each human home, man can try to hide his face from that fact if he wants to, but he can't hide it for very long. Ultimately, he has to face the music. He has to face the music. You know where that phrase come from? Some people say that the origin of that phrase was actually with the, the British military practice of playing the drums when court-martial charges would be made. People then would have to face the music. There's another ancient legend regarding that, uh, the, the origin of the phrase facing the music, another one that comes from China. It seems that a man was somehow able to join the royal orchestra of the emperor of China, even though he couldn't play a note. And month after month, he'd sit there and he'd just go through the motions of playing his flute until one day the emperor decided that he would like to be entertained by the individual players of the orchestra. And each of them would come in on their own and play before the emperor and the man was then desperate knowing that he would be found out and so he attempted desperately to find someone with, from whom he could take lessons as quickly as he could that he might be able to be prepared in time to play for the emperor and finally on the day of command performance knowing that he was completely unprepared so the legend goes that he took poison and he took his life rather than face the music makes no difference what the origin of the legend is or the phrase is face the music is what we all eventually and ultimately have to do hide from the reality of sin as much as we might try call it by another name if we will lessen the effect of it by calling it a mistake whatever it might be or errors that we make or weaknesses that we have sin is still sin and man cannot abolish it ultimately each man must face the music Thank God. Thank him today and especially in this week to come that you and I would not face 
music on our own. Thank God that we, in fact, have a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that faced it for us and in our stead, that faced the dirge of death that we deserve to face, the eternal consequences of our sin for us there on the cross. God made him, as we have heard Paul say so often, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might be the righteousness of God. That cross speaks. And it says to us, sin is serious. But it also says you have a Savior who took your sin seriously. You have a Savior who then, because he did, did something about it. A Savior who would not be sidetracked by the cheering crowds. But a Savior instead that with face set to the cross went to the cross and said, Look at me. Look at me, a sacrifice for sin appointed. See him dying on the tree. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, as the ancient prophet says, pierced through for our transgressions. On him the Lord hath laid the iniquities of us all. See, St. Peter says, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, but rather with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And as we've heard repeatedly during this Lenten season and every Lenten season, the gradual in our services, fix your eyes then upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. The cross speaks not only of our sin, but the cross speaks also of God's sacrifice for it. In the week to come, don't become numb to the account of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ because you've heard it so often before. Do not become numb to what it costs God for your salvation, for to do so would be to throw away the gem to keep only the shell or the leather bag. When you look at Jerusalem on that first Sunday, that's what happened to them. They had in so many ways become numb to the crucifixion. You see, they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand that God was about to die. As St. Augustine put it, the deity which had put on my flesh climbed the gallows of the cross and in that assumed flesh he painfully suffered capital punishment for us. But Jerusalem had grown numb to executions like that. Perhaps that's why they were what they were in that week. They knew what Roman capital punishment was all about. They'd seen their share of it and they'd become numb to it all. You see, not many years before Jesus arrived to Jerusalem, a zealot revolt had been put down by the Romans and they gathered together all of the rebels who had revolted against them, a total of about 2,000. They crucified every single one of them, each on a cross of their own, where on the same road upon which Jesus had ridden the donkey coming into Jerusalem. Imagine it, imagine going up Lawrence Avenue here, 
Lawrence Express rate to, to 280 and then taking 280 down to the HP Pavilion downtown and imagine seeing a cross with a corpse on it every 10 yards or so for those 10 or 11 bloody miles. They were familiar with crucifixion, perhaps all too familiar, but they were unfamiliar with the one who was about to be crucified for them. And so it was that Jesus, approaching the city from a distance on that road, paused, scripture tells us, and he wept. No, Greek says that he sobbed. He sobbed, an audible weeping. Jesus sobbed over Jerusalem. And he said, knowing what they would do, if thou hadst known in this day the things that belong to thy salvation, but thou knowest not the time of thy salvation. And this week in this land, in this city too, there are thousands upon thousands who do not or will not know those things which belong to their peace. Men and women and children who do not or will not know the day of their salvation. Thinking it incredulous that any British citizen would possibly be ungrateful for the brave young men and of the Royal Air Force who had sacrificed their lives to guard their homeland, Winston Churchill once said of them, never in the history of mankind have so many owed so much to so few. But this week, dear friends, as we think upon the cross, as we consider who took our place upon it and what he did for our sakes eternally, would we not say much more of him than Churchill said of his soldiers? Would we not indeed say of him, never in the history of the universe has all of mankind owed so much to one? Isn't that what we would this week say? Holy Week has begun. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, today we dedicate a new Paschal candle and its stand to the glory of God, and we ask that he would bless its use among us for years to come. The Paschal candle was the first candle designated with a sacred purpose in the divine services of the Christian Church, dating back to at least 375 AD. Its use declared that divine light had come into the darkness of the world in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Lit on the evening of Holy Saturday, the day between the Lord's Good Friday death and the Easter Sunday resurrection, it commemorated baptism into the death and the resurrection of Christ. The candle remains lit until the church's ascension celebration, when, is when then it is extinguished, only to be relit for baptisms and for Christian burials throughout the Christian year. By prayer, we now set apart this Paschal candle, bearing the cross of Christ, marked by five red crystals, representing the five wounds of our Lord, who is, as indicated by the Alpha above the cross and the Omega below the cross, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the everlasting Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We pray. Heavenly Father, we here set apart, and we pray you to bless our use of this Paschal candle, given in memory of our brother in Christ, Alvin Zimmerman, that it would remind us of our baptism into the death and the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Paschal Lamb, who has taken away the sin of all the world. May its light during the season of Easter and at baptisms and Christian burial services give your people confidence that from our first days to our last days here, you are the light of life, now and forever. We dedicate this to your glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church of God in Christ Jesus, we come to him and before his throne of, of mercy with our requests. We rise for prayer. O most holy Father, you once perfected praise from the lips of children and the mouths of the masses to adore Christ Jesus as the Blessed One who comes in the name of the Lord. Accept today our praises, and may we ever gratefully rejoice when you bring salvation into our midst. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O most holy Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, you once humbled yourself to take on the form of our flesh, lowering yourself even to the point of shame and death upon the cross, so that you might bring life and salvation to this sinful world. By the Holy Spirit, bless the preaching of your cross and the administration of your sacraments to create and sustain saving faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O most Holy Spirit, create and renew in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, that we too may readily humble ourselves and be always eager to serve one another 
rather than to be served. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you hold in your hand all the might of man. We ask you to give wisdom to the leaders of the world that they might govern their lands with integrity and respect the rights of all. Bring to nothing the plans of those who oppose your gracious will. Bless our nation and all who serve the people here, our administrators and legislators and justices and judges, and all who serve to uphold law and order. Lord, in your mercy. God most gracious, according to your unchanging goodness, look in mercy on all those who suffer illness and physical disability. Bless such members of our congregation, including Chris Heinz and Fred Hein, Paul Duell and Marguerite Held, Bob and Dorothy Latham, Martin and Ellie Borkenhagen, Dick and Elsie Much, Hugh Ryan. Bless also Del Welch, the husband of former member Marion Lycan Welch, who now recovers from hospitalization. And bless all others that we now name in our hearts. As you work in their lives, what you deem best for them, give them patience and give strength to their family members and friends who attend to them in their conditions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, you bring comfort to your people in their seasons of sadness. Be now with those who mourn loved ones, including Greg and Tina DeVries and family at the death of Greg's uncle. Visit also all who yet grieve the loss of spouse, family, or friend. Remind your people that because you were not willing to abandon us even unto your death, you will most certainly not abandon us now that you live. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Giver of all good, you bless in abundance. To this end, receive the thanks of all who celebrate your grace in their lives as they mark anniversaries of birth, marriage, or baptism. May we be a people that will raise our thanks to you in every time of life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Keep us, Lord God, from impenitence or unbelief, that those who approach your table today might receive the body and blood of your Son, Christ Jesus, in faith unto forgiveness and for the temporal and eternal good of both body and soul. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy and Heavenly Father, may we in the days of this holy week to come ponder the passion of Christ Jesus anew, and at Scripture's bidding move with him from Jerusalem's city gates to the upper room, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and to the Judgment Hall, and then to the cross to behold the sacrifice made for the sins of all the world, and finally, to the empty tomb, that we may celebrate his resurrection in life. Receive our prayers and accept our praise through your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory and power and praise, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who accomplished the salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life also might rise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
We pray. O God, the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.